5455. Yes. What? Why are we counting that? You know, that was a dentist trick, actually. Counting to 53? To- y- using 50s because you get your Fs. And when you do oh. the Fs, it's like S's. You know, it has a very distinct yeah. sound, and you can tell if you're whistling or if the tooth is right and stuff what? like that. Yeah. Are you serial? Yeah, I picked that up from a dentist. Yeah, I picked it up from a dentist. When well, I, I got a front cap, you know, yeah. and trying to get it adjusted and doing all this stuff. And he's like, okay. Count your 50s? 53, 54, 55, 50. Because he could keep hearing the Fs over and over again. Okay, let me try. 53, 54, 55, 56, 57. That was beautiful. Are my teeth okay? Your teeth are okay. Good. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. My name is Mark Chaffee, your friendly neighborhood podcast cruise director. Great to be here. Hit up questions you never thought you could ask in church.com if you want to submit some questions to us. What we do is I go through them, I pick the real juicy good ones, I throw them in Dave's face, and he answers them. Dave, say hello. Hey, everyone. Thank you so much for the questions you've been sending in so far. We've been doing this for a number of years now in the podcast for for several episodes now. And and the questions that we've gotten over the years, but specifically for this podcast, the questions that we've been getting, I mean, it's just, it's it's really the gamut. And uh, it it just continues to reinforce for me uh, the curiosity, the inquisitiveness of people, but but also the burdens that people carry Mm -hmm. that, that, that people don't seem to have an outlet with. Yeah. So, you know, if you are someone who is um, sitting in church and you don't know who to ask or what to ask or think you can't ask or afraid you'll be judged if you'll ask, if you're a person who's never set foot in a church, but you have questions about God, life, theology, the Bible, the Christian faith, comparative religions, we encourage you to send them in. Anything here is fair game. We're just going to do the best job we can to tackle them and, uh, and, and hopefully help you along your way. Wow. What do you say we just jump right in and do this thing? Let's do it. Okay. What do we get? This is a text that comes in from the 224. Okay. Should I fear God? Yes. Why should I fear God? Something tells me you're making up that question. That wasn't part of it. It wasn't, but that's my, that's my pushback. Well, quite honestly, because he's, he's frightening and powerful. Mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, you're dealing with the most powerful force in the universe mm-hmm. And if that does not bring with it a healthy sense of fear and respect mm-hmm. in the presence of that kind of raw power, you're just kind of missing it. And and of course, I think for the fact that, that God veils himself the way he does so that that, that isn't quite apparent to us, it, it leads us to kind of take it for granted or, or take him for granted. Yeah, I think that happens and, all the time. And, and a very lackadaisical attitude towards yeah. him. But, you know, the day's going to come where we're going to stand before him and just be like, literally, oh, my God. Yeah, standing in awe. The and, awesome power of God. Yeah. You know, I, I find that interesting because you'll often hear folks say, you know, I grew up in a church tradition maybe a while ago where I didn't know the love of God. All I knew was to fear God. And then conversely, you have people say, yeah, I grew up in a tradition where I was taught to just love God and I have no fear of him. I love how the Lutheran catechism puts this. It it gives explanations to things like the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles Creed, the Ten Commandments and all this kind mm-hmm. of stuff. And Whenever you hit the Ten Commandments, it always starts with the same phrase. We should fear and love God so that dot, dot, dot. 
Interesting. Yeah. So it acknowledges yeah. both sides of yeah, it. Yeah, both sides. We, we, yeah. It would be wrong to, to fear God and, and not love God. It would be wrong to love God and not fear God. You're, yeah. you're, you're cutting something short there. And of course, let me speak into this as well. I mean, isn't it funny how a word can have such elastic meaning mm-hmm. and carry such different connotations? Some people fear God because they fear that he's going to abuse them or mm-hmm. or, or torture them or, right. or be cruel to them. And, and maybe they experience that with 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 parents or people in their own life that they feared and uh and and, and that's not what this is getting at by by any means but but I, I would suggest that you really wrestle with with what the bible has to say about god and let it develop what that sense of fear should look like not not not, not the projected ideas that you have over things you think it says right. no what, actually get the, into the stories what's a health, and, healthy fear because i think you're alluding there is a very unhealthy fear like you said you know, this happens all the time. You see um, folks who grew up, like you mentioned, with abusive parents, like an abusive father, and they project that onto God. So they're afraid. So there's this fear. It's a negative fear for the wrong reason, rather than that awe and respect type of fear. Yeah, yeah. And trembling before the sheer power and magnitude of something. So let's talk about the unhealthy fear. I think unhealthy fears come in relationships and certainly in, in then people's perception of God when, when people are unpredictable. Mm-hmm. Is dad going to come home drunk tonight? Is he going to fly off the handle? Yeah. What's going to set him off? What, what what can I say and what can't I say? And the rules seem to change. Mm-hmm. And so you never know when you always live in this 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 very kind of tense state of being. Walking on eggshells. Yeah. There, there's others that, of course, just fear violence. Mm-hmm. Uh, fear just, just absolute cruel pouring out of, mm-hmm. of, of, of injury and hate. Right. And, and while the Bible will show episodes of God meeting out judgment. Mm-hmm. Let's not underestimate that. Mm-hmm. I think it's very different than what people fear in an abusive parent. Um, things like is, that. Is there a better word to use than fear? Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Like, uh, uh, but, but I think we've been using them and what we find is that we're forced to come up with several words and use a yeah. collection, which of course gets cumbersome. You know, we talk about, you know, awe and, 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 and standing before the magnitude of a power greater than you and, sure. and respect and honor and, and you know, yeah. all of these things. But if we could just understand what this four letter word fear means properly, yeah. it, it's a lot easier. It's like we need to take the word back use. or something and redefine it because it does. It comes with connotations that people have. I think people, when you say fear, they do immediately think damnation. Oh. This is the, my plumber calling. I got to take well, this. Well, you got to take it. All right. <laughs> All right you know, on. you talk to the plumber right. and and uh, you want me to just kind of keep going on this? Or? Yeah, sure, if you want. All right. Hello, this is Mark. The other issue, uh, you know, so while Mark is with the plumber right now, is that uh, the Old Testament, the Bible, will use the word fear. So even if we use substitute terminology, we still have to allow the Bible to speak in its own language and understand what it's meaning by its words. Um. The Bible will speak of God as a judge, and as such, that means God will carry out justice, which often involves judgments, and that, of course, is a frightening thing. When you stand is someone who should be rightfully convicted, and so we should fear, in many ways, even beyond what we're saying, the justice and judgment of God, not because of God's cruelty or capriciousness, but because of the reality of what we deserve. But this is where the love of God comes in so strongly, in that God has provided a, a, a seat of mercy 
if you will, in the face of our judgment that he sent his son to stand in the place of judgment for us, to carry that judgment upon himself so that we can receive mercy in his stead. So even when we stand in fear of the judgment of God, understanding that the love of God provides something and speaks to the nature of who God is as a God who does not want to carry out harsh penalty or justice on anyone. The plumber will be here tomorrow. 10 a.m. Unclog. I, I don't know what happened. Our lives and our souls. I think the motor in our sump, in, you know, in, the, in our basement, we have, it's fully finished, so we have like the bathroom and everything, the toilet, the shower, sinks, everything go into the yeah, injector yeah. pump, and yeah, it yeah, failed, so we had water backing up and all over. I'll blame the kids. Yeah. So what did we leave off with? What are we talking about? We were talking about the fear of God. Oh, you know what that was? That was question number one. So you know what's next? Number two, unless you skip. Ooh, wait. It would be number two for us, but not per se in the sequence of what you have in your hands. That's true. So even if I did number three, it'd still be my number two. Or my number two. This episode's number two. (sighs) I'm confused. Okay. Number two. Number two, what did Jesus mean by, quote, make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to? Is he referring to heaven? And if so, doesn't, quote unquote, effort contradict the idea of grace, not works salvation? Sure, but don't get weird with it. What Jesus is, uh, the passage being quoted is right at the end of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the... uh the end of Matthew chapter 7. And there's actually three things Jesus says back to back to back all along the similar vein. It, mm-hmm. it, it's the uh, the narrow door and the narrow gate as opposed to the wide road that leads to destruction. Okay. And then knowing a tree by its fruit and mm-hmm. that, that good trees bear good, bad, you know, be careful of false prophets and building your foundation on a house, uh, you know, on, on a solid foundation right. rather than on the sand mm-hmm. where it's going to get knocked down. And what Jesus is just simply reiterating over and over and over again is that in in the end, judgment is going to come from God. People are going to give answer for their lives. Mm -hmm. And the sad reality is many people on that day, despite the delusional state they choose to live in or, or, or the outright rejection that they, they, front are, are yeah. going to find themselves exposed on, on, on sand or wide roads or or having not borne fruit uh, on that final day. And, and that sadly means judgment. Well, yeah. And, and the question basically saying, you know, many are going to try to enter, but they won't be able to. So I think the question the listener is asking is, well, wait a second. If I'm trying, doesn't that mean I'm, you know, putting my own effort into making it into the kingdom? And then they're just wondering... Does that contradict the whole, hey, it's grace, not works for your salvation? Yeah, a lot of people have struggled with that. Mm-hmm. And uh, maybe it's helpful if I just read the passage. Yeah. And wh- what's the passage again? It's Matthew chapter 7. This okay. picks up at verse 13, but you got to read all three of these back to back. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life and only few find it. I read it because you're going to notice there isn't vocabulary of try right, or right. that that's coming from later on in, okay. in a parallel one. It's just a reality statement. Hmm. But the reality statement is, is of course, laced with warning. Mm-hmm. 
Jesus is calling people to follow him. He is mm-hmm. the narrow path. He is the narrow gate. He even says, John records him as saying, I am the gate. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, actually when I, when I first read the question, what hit me was like, well, I, I think it is saying it's, it's grace, not work salvation by saying, if you're trying to enter, no, you can't try. You can try as hard as you want and you won't be able to enter. It's only by God's grace. And, and I would agree with that fully, but yeah. I, I would also say that the four verses I just read haven't used any of those words that right. you just mentioned. Right, right. And so everyone seems to have this knee jerk reaction of always having to run back to kind of like <laughs> this one phrase, right. just let it say what it says sure. and, and let it apply with its own language. In essence, Jesus is saying, follow me. Yeah. You well, know, you, you, how many follow Jesus? Right. Yeah. It's, it's, it's not universal. It's not everyone. Mm-hmm. There are stakes to this. It's not just a favorite flavor out there, Jesus is saying, or here's an interesting philosophy that I can bring that can better your life. No, he's saying there's, there's mm-hmm. eternal consequences and there's eternal stakes. I mean, this, is, yeah. this, this matters in, in, in someone's destiny with God. Yeah. Follow me, even though it's the small road and the narrow gate. Right. Now, did you say that one of the parallel gospels um, does use the terminology try? Is it, I, or did I miss? Well, well, did I, mis- I, I think understand you? I, maybe. No, I'm not saying a parallel gospel uses oh, the word, okay. word "try" there, but I but what this and I forget how the question was worded exactly. Mm-hmm. But I I believe he may be conflating two different passages together because oh. following the narrow and wide gate is the tree and the fruit, mm-hmm. and basically, not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will of my Father who is in heaven, which of course does suggest, uh, yeah, that you're ever, doing ever, something, yeah, you're, your you're, work or, 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 yeah. you know, the fruit of my tree right. has, has consequences. Um, Lord, Lord, they'll say in that day, did we not prophesy in your name and drive out demons and perform miracles? And I will tell them plainly, I never knew you away from me. Evil doers. Done. Here we have uh, somebody who is, somebody who is, their name is Steve. Boxers or briefs? You know, we've had that one before. Really? Yeah, listen to an earlier episode, Steve. Are you sure? Did I actually, like, I remember bring it. In a... I don't see these ahead of time, but I remember it. <sighs> oh, yeah. We probably should mention that more often that Dave actually does not see these questions ahead of time, so he's pulling these out of his butt. Or out of my boxers or briefs. If we are all descendants of Adam and Eve, where do all the different races and skin colors come from? From Adam and Eve. <laughs> you know, actually, when I was, when uh, last episode, we talked uh, about Cain. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess it's kind of a kind of in that same vein. If we're all descendants of Adam and Eve, how did all the different races form? How did all the different colors form? Look, 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 look. There's one race and it's called the human race. Mm-hmm. And, and, and despite the fact that we apply the word race to all these different skin tones that are out there in the world today, we all belong to one race. Right. And that is the human race. Sure. And the skin tones and colors and pigmentations are, are, are something that we all share biologically. Right. And have been brought out because of the dominant traits and, and you know i'm not right. a biologist i'm not going to try to go further with this sure but but if you're a, a new earth creationist and you're thinking you know however many thousands of years old the earth may be biologically it takes a lot longer to diverge races and colors and i don't know i think like that's that. a big assumption you're making yeah i don't know what, what are you basing that assumption on that it takes a lot longer science 
Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Okay, so so give me the science on it. Well, I can't do that. I'm not a scientist. Well, that's my point, is this is what people often assume and often say, is they have these knee-jerk reactions that, well, it must take much longer to have these kinds of variations define themselves in within a species, so to speak. Yeah. And and my pushback simply is, does it? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, a lot of people would actually say, well, God created physics. He can change the laws of physics anytime he wants, stuff like that. Well, of course he can, but but I don't think we even have to go there. I I think there's all kinds of pseudoscientific assumptions being made right now Mm -hmm. about how long it takes for skin pigmentation to change and then develop within a certain group. I mean, take, take Darwin's finches. All right. Okay. What was the time span between the traits in the same species of finch? Yeah, relatively quick, sure. I mean, again, I'm not suggesting that. Well, and we're delving into an area that's beyond me, obviously. You know, but Caucasian is, 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 is my children are going to be radically different skin tones, but they don't share the exact same skin tone. Oh, of course is not. me. And how that develops regionally and other things. Yeah, uh, geographically, there's obviously yeah. major differences. Africans, Asians, mm-hmm. Indians. Yeah. We we are not different races. No. We, all, we are not coming sure. and, we and carrying our skin DNA. tones from different Right. Yeah. Different starting points. So Yeah, that's a weird one. This is from Alec from Volo, Illinois. His favorite pizza topping is bacon. He addresses you actually formally. Dave, comma. Being the leader of a local church, you are called to a somewhat higher standard than most. That being said, when you make a sandwich or toast, do you take the butt piece of the bread loaf or do you leave it for some future unsuspecting toast eater? What are the moral implications of this and what would Jesus do? (laughs) I always take the butt piece. You are the butt. What would Jesus do? Would he take the butt? Is it even called the? Isn't it called the heel? I think. I think it is called the heel. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. Yeah, you know, I I really don't know what the proper terminology on the ends are. Butt bread. But yeah, for me, it's always just simply been a thing, is because everyone always takes everything else. That's what's left. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I get. You know. But not out of the kindness of your heart. You know. You you know this. Well, it's no. I I can't attribute it to kindness. That would be just like (laughs) so wrong. But but it is uh, for me more attributed to like frugality and wastefulness. It's. Oh, that's nice. And, and I've always been one to kind of like eat my vegetables first, if you know what I mean. And you're weird. So it's like I, I would always eat like that top, just like heel I mean, piece right away. Just get it out of the way. I love it. Because you can enjoy the rest of the loaf. <laughs> you don't loaf think lover. about it. It doesn't haunt you anymore. No. You don't get tormented by it every time you open the bag. Sure. Well, you're not throwing true. it away at the end. Go, I mean, just <laughs> no, nah, just deal with it. Get on with it. Why is this a mystery? <laughs> just deal with it right away. Go for it. Um, yeah. You know, the only problem I really have with the heel, though, is like you can use it for most things, but except for like when you do a grilled cheese, you got to flip it. No, no, no. Inside, yeah, yeah, you know, well, of course. I mean, it's, it's, really, it's you got to use gotta the be, right tool. You know, yeah, I mean, it, it doesn't work. You got to be practical things. about that. But like if you're dipping it in soup or something like that, it's oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's totally even, fine. Yeah. Or mopping the floor with it. You mopping know? the floor. <laughs> it works great. Yeah. <laughs> Feeding windows. Put it back in the bag. Dad, this bread tastes funny. And why is it sparkly blue? (laughs) Thank you, Alec. I don't even know what number we're on. I guess it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. (laughs) So, Dave, this one's anonymous. You know, we might have had this one before. What am I doing? Do I have the right list? 
Who answers your questions and doubts when you can't discern them from the Bible or other sources? And like it, do you have any fear or doubt in your walk with Jesus? Well, sure. There's there's, there's constantly uh, episodes of fear and doubt, and mm-hmm. that doesn't mean they're constant states. But I mean, it's 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 true for all of us. There's there's things that we face, and in in times when we're emotionally weak, and in times when we're considering new things, and times when our worldviews are getting upset or are challenged by other ways of thinking that are mm-hmm. the, that are very either uh, pervasive or compelling. That of course cause these kinds of moments. So so yes, mm-hmm. but. Uh, like like the listener too, um, I, I would assume it's very much the same. There's a a community of people mm. in my life yeah. that I can seek wisdom from, and it's and it's not one person because mm-hmm. there there generally isn't one fount of wisdom that exists for all things. Right. Some of the people are people I've never met who have written books that I've mm-hmm. learned to trust that way. But there's other people with with flesh and blood in yeah. you know. You know in my life that, that I'm able to turn to with various things as well. So I think yeah, people, often, assortment. yeah, I think people often have a, an opinion or, or a thought on, you know, I think pastors, there's this hierarchical, like, well, I come to you for answers, but yeah. you're at the top. So where do you go type of thing? No one's at the top. You find out it's a circle really quick. Mm. You, you, you always need someone. Uh, above you. And again, I'm not per se even talking like authority and accountability mm-hmm. and then how your flow chart works in your org or something right. like that so misses the point of what I'm getting at here. Um, but just like there's no one who's the best. Right. You know, there's always someone who knows more, always someone who has wisdom. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's from the least of these. And that is so true. It, it just impresses on the importance that I think we all have is we need people in our lives yeah. um, who, who hold us accountable in the right ways, but mm-hmm. also that can be confidants and mentors and mm-hmm. confessors. And, and, and I think if people gave it a chance to be really surprised at who those people could be yeah. in their lives, yeah. don't make assumptions. Yeah. Pastor Dave, do you like pugs? I'm not against them. Here's an anonymous one. A lot of people I'm noticing don't like to identify themselves or even where they're from. I wonder if I should force some of the fields on the website to at least give us something. I don't know. I think people like the cloak of anonymity. We're just curious because we want to see what the geographical spread is. Well, I know. I was going to say because I could still lie. We wouldn't know. Yeah. Yeah. But hopefully they wouldn't be lying. Let people be free. Be free, my people. Who are the 144,000 sealed in Revelations 7-5? Are they the only people marked to be saved? And why is there no other mention of them? Uh, it, 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 forgive me just for the pet peeve, mm-hmm. but it is something that I'm working to try to correct. It's Revelation, not Revelations. Oh, did, Most people yeah. do say it wrong. That's yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, and who are the 144,000 listed there? Yeah. Well, again, uh, when, when I say they're not defined, what, what I mean specifically by this is that the book of Revelation or, or the rest of the Bible doesn't give, shall I say, an answer key to the symbolism of Revelation. Okay. Now you can read in, in Revelation, uh, I believe it's Revelation chapter 7, 14, you okay. said was the verse. Uh, so they mentioned, yeah, 7, 5. Um, yeah, so if you can uh, it's provide chapter some, seven, right, because it's several verses that that goes Pro- through provide it. context for what well, what and this it, chapter is in in well, well in and really what quick, is. yeah yeah it, it lays out a, a breakdown of 12,000 from each of the tribes of Israel what's fascinating though is that the list of the tribes of Israel does not actually perfectly match other listings of the tribes of Israel so what for example mean, mean the the ones listed in revelation, in revelation 7 don't don't match what you find elsewhere listed the 12 tribes 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's oh. not it's not an exact. Uh, I don't want to say it's, it's like not just grossly spelling off, different, but no, it? no, it's not spelling. It's it's actually an intentional move of the author. Most people oh, think, really? and um, you can see my book of Revelation here, which is just like <laughs> this torn up, tattered man. mess. Can you even but read it? Fortunately, I can bring this little corner out. <laughs> And uh, get to seven. And I just wanted to verify this, but yeah, uh, correct what I was thinking in that uh, the tribe of Dan is not mentioned in this list. And so that's suggestive of some things. But, um, you you know, let me let me kind of just cut through all the arguments on this. Revelation is a highly symbolic book. It uses numbers and metaphors and images to represent things. And so this 144,000 is not to be taken as a literal number that you are going to find in the throne room of heaven. And that's what we're getting here is this scene of, you know, those who are sealed in the heavenly courts and and chosen by God. And, and, uh, you know, sealed is how the book of Revelation will put it, you know, set aside and marked and kind of stamped with the imprimatur of of God. Mm-hmm. And, and in essence, they, they, they represent the totality of God's people, Old and New Testament. So it's just symbolic for um, all of humanity or just no, the, no, 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 not all of humanity, but the people of God. Oh, okay. Old and New Testament. Right. Interesting. And there's all this logic I can walk you through of how people get there. Of course, anytime, keep this in mind, listener, that when I talk about the book of Revelation, you're always going to have about 150 theories that are going to be presented in the mainstream right. or even in Christian literature oh, it's huge. on how to interpret it. And I know immediately that that if we were sitting here dialoguing face to face, I would get pushback from other God-fearing folks mm-hmm. who take a very different interpretive line on it. I do get it, but for the sake of of time and and movement of the podcast. I'm simply just going to suggest that answer right now that it's referring to the totality of the people of God who have been set aside. And it's it's, this, it's wonderful hope, this promise that God sealed you. If you're a person of God, that this is not some mistake that God has chosen you, that God has sealed you, that God is protecting you, protecting you despite the persecution and despite even the martyrdom that the people of revelation have to face. Mm. And so it it gives hope and, and, and it gives a sense that you don't have to fear even when you're afraid. I want to read the Bible, but don't know where to begin. Should I just start at the beginning like any other book? You know, you can, and I'm certainly not going to tell you not to if that's what you want to do. If that's what you want to do, do it. But I caution against it, and and for this reason only, unless you love literature. And, you know, this person could be an English professor, for all I know, or or just love books and and be, be a speed reader. Um, I found that for the average person that when they start in Genesis, they derail pretty quickly. Get overwhelmed? Yeah, and and, and it's twofold. It's not so much the storyline of Genesis. I think it's interesting enough to people. Mm -hmm. But in a lot of people's mind, there's a kind of, when do we get to Jesus? And you've got a lot of traction and a lot of, a lot of ground to cover <laughs> oh, yeah. before you're going to get there. And, and so that can be defeating. But, but I think what gets more defeating is they, they finally hit like Exodus 21. Because, Which is? Well, Genesis 1 to Exodus 21 is narrative. Right. And it's pretty exciting narrative right, and, and, right, and very right. interesting. It's when you see all the great movies made out of all the stories back then. But then yeah. you hit Exodus 21 and you get 20 chapters of legal code, including yeah. how to design the tabernacle. Right, and then you get into Leviticus, oh, which is all well. I mean, it, it, it's, it's become a, a tongue-in-cheek joke, and then you get to Numbers, which is ten chapters of census, and, and so any desire to kind of punch through it gets defeated, right? Like that. Yeah. So, 
my suggestion to the average person is different, and I'm going mm-hmm. to lay it out yeah. right now. Yeah, go for it. Read Luke. Just start there. Start with Luke. Read Luke straight through. Then read Acts. Okay. Then make a choice at that point. You've just got two books down. Make okay. a choice at that point. If you want to stay in the New Testament, go back and read the other Gospels, Matthew, Mark, John. Okay. And if you'd like to get back to the, shall we say, prequel and get into the Old Testament, after you read Acts, then go back to Genesis. Interesting. So why is why is that? So why why start with Luke? Well, I, I, a lot of people will tell first time uh, believers or people new to the faith to start with John. Right. There's certainly nothing wrong with it. I mean, it, there's a reason for it is because Jesus and John make such incredible statements about who he is and, mm-hmm. and talks about the way of salvation so yeah. clearly. But it, it's also a lot of what you would call philosophical discussion. There's a lot of <laughs> double entendres and, and, and mixed say. metaphors and, 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 yeah. and multiple layers of meaning that that can also get difficult. It's obviously my favorite gospel. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're artsy fartsy or a, a romantic at heart, that type of stuff. Yeah. yeah what I like Read about John, Luke, Luke yeah. is, you know, you're getting the basic biography of Jesus. You're getting the storyline mm-hmm. with it. You're getting the Christmas story. So you're getting the birth narrative, but he is also the author that maintains most of the parables of Jesus. So you're getting a lot of these teaching sections and parables that you're not going to get in the other gospels. Things like the good Samaritan, mm-hmm. things like the prodigal son, things that you know speak so loudly into the character of who Jesus is. And 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 then if you go to Acts afterwards, you're reading part one and part two from the same author because right. Acts picks up with after Jesus' resurrection and ascension into heaven with what life was like for those in the early church. So you're getting a yeah. good kind of just lay of the land of what happened? Who are these people? And there's plenty of theology and, and, and just insight and, and wisdom and encouragement to boot. So that's great. And then so Luke, which is one of the gospels, which talks about the the gospels are basically the story of Jesus' life, yeah, essentially. Yeah. And then Acts, like what what happened right after Jesus died, rose, whatever it was. Yeah, it's through just the like first thirty some odd church. years of, mm-hmm. of those followers of Jesus right. and, and the wake of Jesus' ascension. Yeah, right. it makes sense to really start there. And then you said, then go back and read the other Gospels if you want, or did you say jump to... I, I, I gave an option, and forgive right. me, because sometimes options paralyze. Yeah, yeah, no, that's fine. But yeah, then maybe jump back to uh, Genesis and read it up through so Exodus 20. Okay. And then at Exodus 20, after you read Exodus 20, that's 10 commandments, then skip over to like Numbers 10 or Numbers 11, where the narrative picks up and read that, and maybe through Deuteronomy... Um, Joshua and Judges and Ruth get interesting. Yeah. The Samuels and the Kings are interesting. I would skip Chronicles and maybe go to, because <laughs> it's just yeah. repetitive, then yeah. maybe to Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther. Um, and at that point, you know, you, you've just covered a lot of ground. Yeah. You know, there's something we do at our church every year is that we put together Bible reading plans to help people through it. Yeah. And, you know, that's something we could share with any listener who requests it. And and there's plenty of of guides out there too of daily Bible reading plan. I've heard this. Um, I don't know if it's true, but I heard this very recently that it will take you 70 hours to read the Bible. Really? Cover to cover. 70 physical hours. Yeah. And I didn't get the sense that that means you're a speed reader. Um, but that, I also didn't, that seems wa- but I also didn't, it seems shorter, doesn't it? Than you'd think. Yeah. A lot shorter. But I also didn't get the sense that what that means is that you're sitting there pondering the words and, and deeply oh. soaking in that you're just kind of mechanically reading, reading it. at a casual pace. Right. Not thinking as you're reading just, yeah, these are the words. Yeah. Huh. 
you know, another, uh, you know, you get me started on this, Mark. And, and again, I fear that by talking more, I'm just going to confuse listeners more and no, create too many options. But, you know, after reading some of those basic things for yourself, um, uh, another practice I really recommend is get a good basic commentary. Yeah. Um, I love N.T. Wright's The New Testament for Everyone. Oh, um, it's fantastic. Yeah. And I'd recommend it to, to just about anyone who's starting out. And what this will do is um, N.T. Wright, I, I believe, gives his own translation. Yeah, it's his own translation. Of a New Testament passage. And then we'll kind of talk about it in a very plain, winsome, but to the heart kind of way for, for a page or two. It's deep and accessible. Yeah. I think. Yeah. Well, I think we need to wrap up the episode, so we'll do it with one last question. This will be Mark's question. All right. Mark's question. What's your favorite plague of Egypt and why? <laughs> okay. Let me think about that one. Do darkness. You, darkness. Darkness. Yeah. As compared to, what are, what are the other nine, if I can remember? The well, wa- there's like... Turned the water the, to blood. The, the Nile turned to blood. The water turned to blood. There's frogs. There's gnats. There's locusts. There's the death of the firstborn, of course. The, you, you the know, livestock. The livestock. The boils. Oh, yeah. Boils. You know, there, there's a lot of good ones out there. The flies. There you, you know, Yeah. I mean, there's a lot, to, a lot of good shit. You know, I like the darkness one. I, I, there's, there's something that... <laughs> It's foreboding. Hmm. It's the ninth plague. Okay. We've already gone through eight rounds of, I mean, just like tough stuff. And then it just goes dark. And I like the dark. The dark is yeah. not what's scary. I know bad things. I know the monsters creep in the dark. Believe me, I know <laughs> evil people take advantage of the dark. I understand that darkness. But, yeah. but when the darkness comes, it's like it's like right before the hurricane hits. You know what I'm saying? It's just like, yeah. oh, we thought this was bad. It just it 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 haunts. It mm. just it just screams of you ain't seen nothing yet. There's something about it that's just so invoking of of the the true power of God <laughs> that goes beyond you know the manifestations of the eight no, darkness. I, I, I love darkness. It was dark for what three days. Hello, I think? darkness, my old friend. Okay, that was great. I want oh. you to sing it though. No, yeah, no. come on. No, not after. What was what, the name of that? Uh, it, I can't think of that. Who, who redid that song? Oh, Disturbed? Disturbed, yeah. Oh, I was like, my Departed. Gosh. I'm like, that's not right. No. Hello, darkness, my old friend. I've come to talk with you again. After that, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. Listeners. No, I, I... Yeah, go go, go check out Disturbed's version of uh, Sound of Silence. It does not suck. Should we finish? All right. Are you feeling finished? I don't know. Did we have a speed round on this? <sighs> I'm too tired for a speed round. Too we, tired for a speed round? We okay. did speed round last week. Okay. I don't want to okay. do speed round now. No speed round. No no sprinting this week. No, we got to change our workouts up. Huh? I know. I, I actually am a little sleepy. The, the thing is, I hate the time change, the daylight saving time change. Because nowadays, like right now we're recording this podcast. It's 430 in the Midwest here, in the Chicagoland area, 4.30 <laughs> it's like p.m. It's dark. like getting freaking dark. Yeah. And like, I just want to lay down and take a nap right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, listeners, it sounds like it's nap time for Mark. So we want to thank you again for tuning in. Please visit our website, questionsyouneverthoughtyoucouldaskinchurch.com. You can post any questions you have for us there, and uh, Mark will get them and work through them. And eventually, in one of these podcasts, he'll fish them to me, and I'll just do the best I can of 
of addressing whatever questions you have on God, life, theology, the Bible, religion, you name it. Any question is fair game. You can check out our social media channels while you're there as well. Uh, we encourage you, maybe follow us on a podcast, maybe iTunes or something like that, and give us a rating. Um, it just kind of helps uh, get this this podcast out there and, uh, and noticed in the world. If you find it helpful, share it with your friends. Beyond that, just want to say God bless. Thanks for tuning in again, guys, and uh, hope this has been helpful for you today. Nap time. Butt bread? <laughs> Dad, this bread tastes funny. <laughs> and why is it sparkly blue? <laughs>